This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big line? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bass. Intel committee. Is, is Santos on the Intel committee? Am I allowing shift? Am I allowing shift to be on other committees? Go right ahead. Well, let me be very. He's got elected by his district. So, okay. Let, let me be very clear and respectful to you. You ask me a question. When I answer it, it's the answer to your question. You don't get to determine whether I answer your question or not. Okay. In all respect. Thank you. No, no. Let's answer her question. You just raised a question. I'm going to be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the intel, if you talk to um, John Radcliffe, DNI, he came out ahead of time and says there's no intel to prove that, and he used his position as chairman, knowing he has information the rest of America does not, and lied to the American public. When a whistleblower came forward, he said he, he did not know the individual, even though his staff had met with him and set it up. So no, he does not have a right to sit on that. But I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these, where they removed Republicans from committees and all committees. So yes, he can serve on a committee, but he will not serve on intel, because it goes to the national security of America, and I will always put them first, all right? And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell, because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the intel committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. They brought it to the works of the leaders. I've got that briefing. So I do not believe he should sit on there. That committee? And I believe there's 200 other Democrats that can serve on that committee. So this has nothing to do with Santos. 
Santos is not on the Intel Committee. But you know what? Those voters elected Schiff, even though he lied. Those voters elected Swalwell, even though he lied to the American public, too. So you know what? I'll respect his voters, too, and they'll serve on committees. But they will not serve on a place that has national security relevance because integrity matters to me. That's the answer to your question. NATO allies, Germany has agreed today to send much-needed battle tanks to Ukraine. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz announced this morning the shipment of what are known as Leopard 2 tanks. Berlin had previously resisted calls to send the vehicles to the region, but today Scholz announced the reversal, citing, quote, intensive consultations between Germany and its Western allies. Joining us now, we have a top defense official from one of those NATO allies, Permanent Secretary of the Estonian Ministry of Defense, Kusti Salm. And uh, I would like to start with what Estonia is doing to help Ukraine, because there was a big announcement within the past week. Can you share that with us? Good morning, everyone. Yes, uh, with uh, large pleasure. Uh, Estonia has been one of the... Uh, largest supporter of Ukraine. Uh, last week, we achieved 1% of lethal aid. Uh, that amounts for uh, 400 million uh, U.S. dollars in Estonian terms. But if we would translate it into the U.S. terms, it would be 220 billion euros. So it makes us the largest contributor to the um, to aid uh, to Ukraine. Um, last week, what we also did, we convened a um, large conference. There you go. You got Estonia, you got the Baltic nations. Uh, they're gearing up for a major uh, land war in Ukraine, uh, in the United States, is uh, is hectored uh, its quote-unquote allies. Remember, NATO is not an alliance. NATO is a protectorate. Very big, very big difference. This is what President Trump is always trying to get them on the 2% of their GDP for defense and national security that they committed to do back in 2014, right, 2014, 2015, because they understood NATO had basically atrophied. Okay, and as uh, Victoria Newland and uh, and, and the uh, demons over the State Department uh, started doing the color revolution, they understood the time that they're going to have to at least have some sort of uh, false front to be able to, to you know go after the uh, KGB or go after the Russian people. Um, and this is now this is complete hectoring by the Americans. I want to get Colonel Harvey in here. We got to talk about the escalating Ukrainian land war that they're sucking the American people into uh, minute by minute. We've got Mike Davis going to join us also. We're going to talk about these committees. Uh, Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen got incredible polling on where the American people are on the debt ceiling. Here's where they are. They don't want any more money spent, right? Uh, Tom Williams is here, going to join us in a little while, where the focus should be, and that's on the persecution of 340 million Christians throughout the world by governments like the <clears throat> Chinese Communist Party in Nigeria, in the Middle East, all of it. Colonel Harvey... First, I want to go to, um, since you're an expert of this, particularly on the Intel Committee, I want to go to, um, that's a different uh, Kevin McCarthy. That is the most succinct, most powerful uh, explanation to the American people of, of why Schiff and, uh, and, and Swalwell, who were allowed, as you remember, Colonel Harvey, to basically run uh, the Intelligence Committee when they were in the minority because Paul Ryan uh, didn't have the guts and the backbone to back uh, Devin Nunez. Uh, Colonel Harvey, your assessment of that and these other investigative committees that you've seen, sir? Well, I would agree with you because when I saw your clip and I saw it yesterday, I thought to myself, Speaker McCarthy just gave the best two or three minutes that I've ever seen.
and I've been watching him closely for years. So maybe he is growing into the role of being a leader, and maybe he is, now that he's in this position, he recognizes the real threats to democracy and to our republic by the law-breaking partisan systems in government, the administrative state, and the corruption with big tech and the Democratic National Committee, and how they've used their ability to coordinate, censor, suppress, and use lawfare against law-abiding citizens. So I, I, I am hopeful that we're seeing a new McCarthy. Um, the committees he's chosen also reflect that. I, I think Comer, Jordan, um, Jordan's going to head the weaponization subcommittee. Um, you've got Brad Wenstrup from Ohio, a doctor um, who was on the Intel Committee and was very aggressive, pushing very hard to get at the truth behind COVID. And, you know, he was just an energizer bunny in there. And so he's going to do a real good job there, I think. Um, the, the, the China Committee uh, was Mike Gallagher. He's a very traditional guy. I'm not sure that we're going to get beyond the normal geopolitical issues there um, with him and get to the Chinese influence campaign, how Wall Street and the influence campaign across the board in our society that, you know, we have business, Wall Street and others basically being front men to, to promote China, uh, the vision of what China is as a non-threatening panda bear. Um, and the members of these committees, you know, we've got a lot of our Freedom Caucus people seated in these committees, and they will be strong voices. What I'm worried about, other than the China effort, is also Mike Turner on the Intelligence Committee, because a lot of our problems go there. And Mike Turner uh, really did not want to see Adam Schiff gone. He was trying to befriend him all of last year. And he never saw the real threat when he was a member of the committee uh, working for Devin Nunes. He took a backseat role the whole Hold time. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang, hang for a second. Um, because McCarthy uh, – and look, McCarthy's head of the cartel. He's got a lot to prove. But this clearly last night was still the best, most succinct explanation the country's had about shift in Swalwa and why they're gone. Um, and he didn't leave any door open for them coming back. And not have shift on intel – is massive. Not to have Swalwell and Intel is massive. These are these are huge developments, not small developments. Um, he's also peopled uh, or populated these committees with with strong MAGA voices, right? If, yes. if you look at the weaponization of government, if you look at judiciary, if you look at oversight, he's got real fighters on there who are basically know how to grab a microphone and get the nation's attention in these hearings. What you need, but I want to go to Intel before we get to Ukraine. Uh, is Mike Turner actually tried to befriend uh, befriend shift? He was uh, the, 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 he didn't want him thrown off the committee or Swalwell. The whole time as the ranking member, he was trying to just start fresh. Let's have lunch. Let's let's um, put all the past behind us. Okay, and you can't do that with these guys, especially someone like Adam Schiff. Uh, who I believe is is corrupt through and through, and we've seen that you, you don't the tiger doesn't change its stripes. So that was foolish on his part. But that's who Mike Turner is. He is an anti-Trump, uh, left of center Republican representing Dayton, Ohio, who um, 
was a you know the Dayton mayor, and he is he's one of these guys that wants to be loved by the media. Okay, and so we're not going to change that. So unless we get some real direction from Speaker McCarthy and the rest of that committee um, reflects more or less what Mike uh, Mike Turner is about. Okay, so. We don't have the strong voices on there. Chris Stewart's pretty good uh, from Utah. Actually, he's really quite good. But you know, with the, the makeup of that committee, we're not going to see a lot out of a lot out of that one. Now, Steve, let's if go you bear to with me for a second, yeah, go, yeah. Go ahead, sure. If you bear with me for a second, we got some strong personalities and aggressive uh, leaders on the important committees. The big tech one. Uh, Who's going to have that and how they're going to go after it? You know, I'm I'm not quite sure yet, but they need good chiefs of staff and very aggressive, uh, very competent investigators and their top lawyers. The rest of the staff will follow the lead of that leadership cadre. But you've already seen DOJ and FBI, you know, starting this rope a dope. We've already seen. Um, you know, where the DNI is not responding to, you know, requests for years. And we have no authority to cudgel them and force them unless we, you know, actually do some things like the Holman rule. So at the end of the day, what I'm worried about is we need a media strategy so we don't have fratricide, so we stay focused. And the Democrats did that. They hired good people to come in and, and understood the need to make this a media strategy to impact elections. And we need to be thinking towards 2024 and using these next 18 months to build the narrative coherently. And we're going to need expert media help. And the Democrats hired people from news divisions and Hollywood to help them with that. We need to do the same. To, to craft a narrative. Okay. Uh, Colonel Harvey, stay right there. We're going to take a, uh, a short break. We've got Mike Davis. We're going to talk about these committees. We've got uh, Mark Mitchell at Rasmussen to talk about where the American people are because this all ties back to uh, money, right? It's money, power, and control. Uh, and right now the American people are with us because of the work of the War Room Posse on no more money, okay? In addition, the Ukraine war, expanding ground campaign coming because the Americans have hectored the Germans and now we're sending battle tanks. That would be the Abrams tank, one of the most sophisticated uh, fighting vehicles in the world. With maybe U.S. personnel, maintenance, all of it. Tom Williams on the persecution of Christians, all next in the war room. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden? more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, the deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer, by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text Bannon to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. Text Bannon to 989898 and claim your free, no-obligation info kit. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau 
and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bandon to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, let me bring in uh, Mike Davis uh, for a minute. We're going to go back to Colonel Harvey in a second. Mike, uh, your take on um, on Speaker McCarthy uh, really laying out uh, why they're throwing a shifty shift and uh, and Fang Fang Swalwell off the committee. Then your thoughts on the rest of these committees, particularly the MAGA element of it, before we get into the high tech. Your thoughts, sir? Well, these are good signs, and I'm uh, I commend the Speaker for doing what he promised to do, which is to throw these. Democrats, uh, the, these Democrats who are who are compromised uh, off of these important committees like the Intel Committee. So I commend Speaker McCarthy for that. I'm, as everyone knows, I'm not his biggest fan, but I hope that he succeeds. I hope that he sticks with his conservative agenda and succeeds and succeeds. And so far, so good. Uh, whether that's uh, throwing Democrats off committees like they did to us or uh, putting uh, key MAGA conservatives on key committees. So I'm, uh, like I said, so far so good. I commend the speaker. But you also want to see more uh, more aggressive. You want to see subpoenas flying. For instance, like even on judiciary, you think we've had enough time. Remember, we weren't supposed to take the first couple of days of the, of the session because we were slowing down the investigations. You want You want much more, even though MAGA people on there, he's populated it. It's now time to go from talk to action, and that action starts with with what, sir, in your mind? Well, I'm scratching my head why we're not moving very quickly on the House Judiciary Committee. And again, I'm not a fan of McCarthy. I'm not a fan of Jim Jordan. I think that they're too beholden to big tech. But they won, and I'm willing to uh, uh, give them the, the running room they need to, to, to lead and to, to govern. But I will say this. We've had uh, some very serious things happen at the Justice Department, where the Justice Department is clearly politicized and weaponized. Again, we're seeing this once again with the Biden raids, where Attorney General Merrick Garland, who sent an unprecedented, unnecessary, and unlawful home raid for former President Trump's lawful possession of his classified presidential records in the the heavily guarded office of former President in Mar-a-Lago, we saw a home raid and uh, a, a whole circus around that, media circus around that. Now we have evidence that Merrick Garland has colluded with Biden, uh, the Biden White House attorneys and the Biden personal lawyers to have this very cozy relationship where the attorney general allows Biden's attorneys and not Justice Department officials, including the FBI, to do these searches for the first four times. Biden makes these representations uh, that he's turned over all the records, and then they go in and do this fifth search, and they find all these records, uh, classified records, including not only records from when he was vice president, but records when he was the Senate Foreign Relations Committee chairman, you know, 14 years ago. So this this is, and there's evidence that there's an agreement between Garland and Biden to have the, to have this cover up. It's clearly a political cover up. Uh, the Biden team turned this over to the to the political appointee who runs the National Archives. The Archivist of the United States is a political appointee. The only they didn't turn it over to the Justice Department. The only reason we are finding out about this is because the the Inspector General of the National Archives blew the whistle and turned this over to the Justice Department. Otherwise, this would have been swept under the rug. And I think that Jim Jordan. And again, I I, I fully admit that I'm not I'm not a fan of Jim Jordan, but. I worked on the Senate Judiciary Committee for Chuck Grassley. There's no question 
that if he had subpoena power right now, he would be issuing subpoenas for uh, the National Archives, for, for Garland, uh, for, for the Biden uh, team. He would have Attorney General Merrick Garland in the hot seat right now before Congress and asking him about this clear double standard. I want to pivot to tech here. By the way, Comer said yesterday with the addition of MAGA, these big MAGA personalities on oversight, he said that he believes it's going to be the uh, most important, most electrifying committee, I think he said in the history of Congress, which is a, that's, that's raising the bar. So it's, uh, they've been some pretty, pretty influential and pretty high profile. So these MAGA additions to this is going to be uh, pretty extraordinary. Let's go. A big news out of tech. Uh, you know, Derek Harvey, Colonel Harvey brought up the, the, uh, about the new tech committee, how tough it's going to be, where the focus is going to be. But big news coming out of, I guess, the Justice Department on Google and the antitrust. And you're, what you were tweeting last night, this shows you a shift in, even in the right with guys like Mike Lee. And this audience is a big part of that, of contacting people and talking to people. What's going on with this Google deal and how big a deal is it for us? So I started the Internet Accountability Project just over three years ago as the sister organization to Article 3 Project. Article 3 Project does the judicial fight. Internet Accountability Project does the big tech fight. When we started Internet Accountability Project three years ago, we were laughed at when we, talk, we talked about using big tech to break up or using antitrust to break up big tech. Our focus is Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. And the tactics we want to use to go after them is uh, antitrust and Section 230 reform. Section 230 reform, there's not bipartisan support to pass any reforms in the Congress right now. There will be eventually, we'll continue to work on it, but there is a rare bipartisan opportunity here where you have the Elizabeth Warren populist wing of the Democrat Party teaming up with with the MAGA wing of the Republican Party, the populist conservative wing of the Republican Party, where we want to take on big tech. And it's uh, using antitrust to break up Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple, break up their gatekeeping power over information and commerce. And the Biden Justice Department, they have done almost, Biden has done almost nothing right in my mind, except for appointing Jonathan Cantor and Lena Khan to be his top two law, uh, antitrust law enforcement cops at the, the DOJ Antitrust Division with Assistant Attorney General Cantor and at the FTC with F- FTC Chair Lena Khan. And uh, they are going after big tech. Uh, Jonathan Cantor fi- filed this groundbreaking lawsuit uh, from the Antitrust Division. He teamed up with several states, including Virginia. My former colleague in the Senate, Andrew Ferguson, is now the Solicitor General of the state of Virginia, and he has been a driving force on this. Uh, He worked with me on the Kavanaugh confirmation and many other judges. He clerked with me on the Supreme Court. He clerked for Justice Thomas when I clerked for Justice Gorsuch. And he's really uh, working with Jonathan Cantor as the brains of this operation. And they brought this lawsuit to break up Google's um, uh, monopoly of the digital advertising market. That is the lifeblood for Google. That is driving the, uh, the stake in the heart of, uh, the, uh, of Google and, and their monopoly. If you break up their digital advertising monopoly, that's their lifeblood. And what's been so amazing, Steve, is as we, we talked about, if, I, if we would have done this lawsuit three years ago, you would have had the, the conservatives in Congress going crazy, saying that you can't do this, this is the free market, you know, all this nonsense that the, uh, the, the big tech shills say. 
you had Mike Lee, who was an antitrust skeptic up until about a year ago, who's fully on board with this. Mike, Mike, Mike Lee is based now, and he's just fantastic. You even have Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy, who are big tech's uh, biggest champions among House Republicans, uh, just crickets out of them last night when the, the Biden Justice Department yeah. filed this groundbreaking antitrust case. So this is huge. This is this is the key to yeah. breaking up big tech is to break up their uh, their monopoly. No, we have advertising. We have we have to break up big tech, and we gotta we gotta break up the ability to monetize and have uh, uh, have a monopoly over the monetization. That cuts this hard. That's like that's like what we have to end the Fed. The Fed is the money machine that keeps the 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 uh, administrative state leviathan apparatus going. The same here, the, the break up the monopoly over digital ads. So it's a brilliant and tough and smart. And now you got conservatives, Kim Buck, everybody's on board. Mike, how do people find out more about this? How do they follow you? Yeah, article3project.org, article3project.org, at article3project, at article3project. And if you go to that website, uh, there's a War Room link for the War Room Posse. You could, the War Room Posse was key to getting these Republican politicians to see the light on big tech. So keep doing what you're doing. It's You guys have a huge influence in the conservative movement. And my personal is at MRDDMIA, at MRDDMIA. And thank you, Steve. You got to follow that personal one. It gets a little hot, particularly late at night. Some stuff coming out of there, Davis, understanding you're, you're a fighter. <laughs> He's picking fights all over. Mike Davis, thanks. Appreciate it. Big win in big tech, the committees, we got to get the subpoenas. Everybody's leaning on. Colonel Harvey, uh, given your expertise and your kind of legendary in your expertise, uh, we are, and I want the American people to understand this, Biden and these folks have not come to Congress and made a pitch. This is like Vietnam. And then they, they thought, you know, they, they came up with the Tonkin Gulf Resolution. We're going down the same path of Vietnam. We're going down the same path of Iraq. We're going the same path of Afghanistan. We're incrementally escalating these things, and the American people are not being brought into the reality. Give me your assessment, uh, sir, of the now, because the Americans went over there, and we did this in Vietnam. You went over there, and they talk, we were trying to talk them into a new strategy that will back by money and material. They're in front of Bakhmut in this siege, right, one of these cities in the east, and what they're trying to say, no, 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 give that up, and let's prepare for a massive spring offensive to Crimea, to take Crimea back, a, a ground war, right, in a place where you had cur- the tank battle at Kursk, Stalingrad, now the, the Americans, uh, General Milley, the head of the CIA, who, by the way, didn't go to Taiwan. They haven't briefed anybody in Taiwan. They're over there briefing Zelensky's guys. They've talked him into a strategy of a ground war in the spring, focused on Crimea, backed by American and German battle tanks. Colonel Harvey, is that where we are today? Unfortunately, you've got it just about right. And I'm concerned for a couple of things. Let's just look back real quick. Ukraine is not part of NATO, so we're not defending NATO here. Now, there have been justifications made by the Biden administration to, to rationalize this. And we've been incrementally getting deeper and deeper, and we've been coercing our NATO allies to increase their support. There's a lot of risk here, uh, Steve. And you know, we're not talking about the risk. The Russians have a lot of geopolitical advantages because they're right there. Now, they've been on the back foot. They were disorganized. But the parallels are to the great patriotic war of the Russians in World War II. As you remember, they got hang, hang on one bad. second. Yeah. 
Colonel Harvey, hang on for one second. We're going to take a short break. Colonel Harvey's going to join us in the Ukraine war. We got Mark Mitchell Rasmussen, where the American people are on debt and spending. Tom Williams on the global persecution of 340 million Christians. All next in the world. In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, all one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Colonel Harvey, your assessment of Ukraine, sir? First of all, I'm worried that we've got too many people that think Russia's in a corner that they've been defeated, that we've got all the advantages, and we just need to push, push harder. And so providing over 300 main battle tanks to Ukraine between the United States, the UK, the Germans, and those that are being transferred by, by Poland over there, those are all for an offensive land campaign. And Zelensky and his Minister of Defense have been very clear that they want to free all the territory, going back to the 2014 uh, capture of Crimea by uh, Russia. But Russia is going through a parallel to what we saw in the Great Patriotic War in World War II. They're mobilizing. They realize they're in a long war. They realize they have time. They can wear us out, and they're always going to be there. The only way, and I think we are misreading the situation because we're pushing a situation where the hardliners, the supranationalists in Russia, are going to be ascendant. There's a fight already in Russia about competition between the traditional military as guardians of the state and the Wagner group and paramilitaries that are the supranationalists. It's almost like Germany in World War, pre-World War II, where you had the Waffen-SS start to dominate and be the enforcers for the regime and true nationalism there. And, and I'm worried that we're going to just wind up misjudging the situation and we haven't communicated what's at risk, how we're going to do it to the American people. There's no authorization from Congress, no resolution, nothing. No, no authorization, no resolution. We just got out of spending $9 trillion in 20 years in Afghanistan and Iraq with nothing to show for it, nothing to show for it, except dead young American men and women 
uh, PTSD, suicides every day, and $9 trillion. We're going to have uh, Rasmussen on here in a second. We talk about debt limits. It's because of pain for these the forever wars. You got the headlines here in the in the Financial Times are talking about the tanks and and the sub headline fears of NATO Russia clash. NATO Russia clash. Well, NATO quote unquote supposed to be an ally. They're actually a protectorate, and now we're assuming Ukraine's an ally. Colonel Harvey, in your professional opinion, sir, for your career as a as a uh, as an army officer, uh, and somebody's been infantry, airborne. And uh, in intelligence, is there any possibility in your mind you see today that the Ukrainian army can force out the Russians out of eastern Ukraine or out of Crimea, as you see it today, sir, without the introduction of American combat troops, sir? Well, for sure, we're going to have to put all the combat support elements in there. Trainers, logisticians, maintenance, that type of thing to support these very complex weapon systems that we have over there. It's going to go beyond just private contractors and things like that. I worry that we're, we're slipping gradually, step by step, into a larger war and a potential miscalculation. And Russia has a lot of options to poke back, strike back in the sea, in other areas, Latvia, Estonia, um, you know, with this hybrid gray zone type warfare that could have serious consequences and how that escalates and how we contain it. I think containment of this conflict and resolution are what we need to be focused on, not trying to, you know, prove our masculinity, if you want to call it that, and and push Russia because we're too many people are seeing this as an opportunity to just knock Russia out of the game and we're not going to do it. Colonel Harvey, how do people get to you on, uh, on your uh, social media, sir? At Derek Harvey on Trump Social and Derek Harvey on Twitter. You can search me there and look for my, my stuff at DerekHarvey.org. Colonel Harvey, thank you. Uh, remember, there, there, there's a famous book written about World War I called The Sleepwalkers. That was all the diplomats and politicians and statesmen that, sl- that did the sleepwalking into World War I. One of the films nominated for Best Picture in the Academy Award, I could not recommend a film more, is All Quiet, the reimagining of All Quiet on the Western Front, a new version about trench warfare in World War I. Uh, if you look at what's happening in Ukraine, it looks like a lot like World War I today. Well, it is. You, I strongly recommend you see that picture. But it's quickly going to go to World War II because the United States is escalating this famous book out by Timothy Snyder, no fan of the war room and no fan of President Trump, but the book is called Bloodlands. You read this book and you will never, ever, ever want a young American man or woman in, uh, in Ukraine fighting, okay? The smartest minds in World War II, the smartest minds, Patton, Montgomery, all of them, to even be considering a, a large-scale a ground warfare to take back Crimea Joe Biden, the Republicans right now in the House, and, and Mike Pompeo is up there on TV, you know, and, and Pompeo, I know him well, good guy, out there just, just this in, in, in insanity. We got to give him everything. We gotta, to take back, the, we're now in introducing the most sophisticated land weapon system we have, essentially, the Abrams tank, to, to, with the German tanks, the, with the Leopard 2s. To, to have pivot away from what they're doing now, 
for a massive ground campaign spring offensive to take back Crimea. Okay, to take back Crimea. Um, if the, the Ukrainian people want to do that, and now, of course, you know, uh, 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 zero tolerance for corruption after MTG and others said, hey, we're going to audit everything. Of course, other magazines say no money whatsoever is going to Ukraine. Now they're going to need hundreds of billions of dollars to do this. They're going to need American personnel. They're going to need maintenance personnel, logistics personnel. They're going to say, no, no, Bannon, you're wrong. We got Europeans trained on the Abrams tank. Sure you do. Sure you do. You're going to need American personnel. On the, that's just why they have the 101st Airborne in Romania on the border of Ukraine. And on this show, we're not going to do it. We're not going to sit there and let the lies and spin. And quite frankly, the neocons have, have exposed themselves, okay, have exposed themselves. Uh, the other thing is the cost of this. We have, we have other priorities. We have a priority called the invasion on our southern border. Uh, Mark Mitchell Rasmussen, you've done some polling here about debt ceiling, spending, all that. Walk us through with where the American people are right now in the opening innings of this where they're just being sp- spun lies and misrepresentation by MSNBC, CNN, a lot what you see on Fox and, and what you read in the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. Sir, what, where are the American people right now, according to Rasmussen? Yeah, let me first say that we've been on a tear for the last month or two, and we've been really nailing the topics. Uh, first, we sort of kicked off the avalanche of the vaccine side effect narrative shift. We've been pulling on Congress investigating the CDC. We pulled on Ukraine two or three weeks ago. We pulled on big tech. And we've been all over GarageGate. And I'll tell you, voters there do see through the politicization of the DOJ. But one of the things we've been focused on after the election is we got a new Republican Congress coming into town. And we've been trying to really dissect Republican Party is trusted more than the Democrat Party on on almost every issue by a small to a very wide margin. And yet Republican leaders are rated very poorly and the Republican Party doesn't seem to be winning as much as it should. So we've been trying to get into the, the, the real issues specifically. And one of them that we saw coming up is this potential fight over the budget deficit and to hear these guys in D.C. talk, you think that a budget, you know, the government shutdowns is a crisis as big as anything except for maybe January 6th. And the truth is, is that voters overwhelmingly support by a, a decent sized margin shutting the government down as a bludgeon in order to get to fiscal responsibility. So the question we ask. Full stop. Full, no, 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 yeah. no. Full, full stop. Full stop. Full, full stop. Full stop. Because that cuts to the heart of the narrative you hear every day. Re- please repeat right. that, sir. Uh, which would you prefer? Congress avoid a partial government shutdown by authorizing government spending at a higher level or a partial government shutdown until Democrats and Republicans can agree to either cut spending or keep it at its current level. 56% of voters prefer the partial shutdown. Only 34% are against it. And even with Democrats, Democrats are for avoiding the shutdown, but only 50 to 41% margin. So Democrats are almost at parity. Republicans are obviously all for the shutdown and the the shutdown wins by 26 points among independents. So it's pretty clear. I mean, they just don't see it. And and part of that is because voters blame politicians in DC for the spending, not taxpayers' unwillingness to reach into their pockets. So I think by and large voters (laughs) sort of see the DC grift that no matter what party gets in there, we we continue to spend, spend, spend. I think overall voters are relatively fiscally conservative. 
And yet they keep saying the same things over and over again. Oh, we can't have a shutdown. Oh, we can't have a shutdown. And sure enough, the, the debt ceiling goes up and we spend, you know, $31 trillion. So. How, walk us through, how did you ask the questions? Because this is about the enlightenment and the awakening of the American people of what the con is here. The continual spending, their lives get worse economically. The, they're paying, the politicians are paying off their lobbyists, paying off their corporate sponsors, paying off Wall Street. The debt, the spending continues, and this reach to the piggy bank at the Federal Reserve, and they print money. So, how, how did you, in this awakening, how did you ask the questions? I, I mean, I read you the, the first question, and it, it, it's very impartial. I mean, we called it a, a partial government shutdown, and we're talking about: Do you want to authorize spending at a higher level to avoid that, or do you want Democrats and Republicans to come together in a bipartisan way to cut spending? And then the other question we asked in this set, which is more to blame for the size of the federal budget deficit, taxpayers' unwillingness to pay more in taxes or politicians' unwillingness to reduce government spending? And politicians are to blame 66% to 21% in that question. Uh, with Republicans, they overwhelmingly blame politicians, 77 to 18%. Uh, independents also overwhelmingly blame politicians, 71 to 17%. And then Democrats, a majority of them blame politicians too, 52 to 28 percent. The only, the only demographic that blames taxpayers' unwillingness more than politicians for our runaway government spending is Biden's strong approvers. <laughs> and with them, it's 55 percent blame taxpayers and 28 percent blame the politicians. So, I mean, it's not like totally reversed in the other way, but literally, literally the only demographic. So I think that gives you a little insight into where some of his support is coming from. You, but you, 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 you guys have been on fire on all this. I want to know where – I know you got your YouTube channel. Where can people go to see not just this but see all the rest and your explanation of all this polling you've been doing on Ukraine, vaccines, all of it? Yeah, Ukraine should give the Republicans in Congress some additional ammo because Republicans are more and more waking up to the fact that we're potentially doing too much there as opposed to not enough. Go to our Twitter, Rasmussen underscore poll. And I want to take one moment, Steve, to, to ask your viewers to do something particular. So we polled a lot on vaccine side effects. Seven percent of uh, American vaccinated Americans say they've experienced a major side effect. 28% of all Americans say they know somebody they think personally died from the vaccine. According to our numbers, the vaccines are unsafe and are potentially still harming people. So what we prepared is uh, last week, we prepared a video that aggregates all of our polling on vaccines in one place. And I stripped out all, you know, all cynicism and bloviating. There's zero commentary in there. It's literally just the numbers. It's kind of a boring video. But if people have somebody they want to share that particular message with, maybe that's the way they can do it. We'll push it up. No, no, no. We'll push it out hard. One. Well, how do they get to you on social media? we got about 20 seconds. Uh, Twitter, Rasmussen underscore poll. And we're on Gabgetter, True Social, all that stuff, too. Okay, we're going to push out the, the uh, vaccine uh, video. Thank you very much. Tom right. Williams, the perse global persecution of Christians, 340 million of them. You don't hear a peep from the pulpit. We're going to find out why next. Fair warning. Listen to this convicted home title thief explaining what happens when he forges your home's title and takes over as the new owner. 
Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh no, I have title insurance. It's in my name or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. You're living in a delusion. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it or sold the property, it's 60 to 90 days for that person to even figure out that they're the victim of this crime. You start getting foreclosure notices. You've got four mortgages on your house. You don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Home title fraud is growing two and a half times faster than credit card fraud. You could be a victim and not even know it. Here's how to protect yourself and verify your home's title is still in your name. Visit HomeTitleLock.com promo code radio. Then register your address for your no obligation home title report. A hundred dollar value you get for free. Again, get your free home title report at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. Right. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want, the way you want. Download now. Okay, on Getter, it's totally free. You download it. I can do it. I'm a moron. That means you can do it. And we got all of our contributors putting stuff up all the time. I'm putting stuff up all the time. It kind of it should be your show prep for the even make the show a better and more immersive experience than it already is. Also, Mike Lindell, the fight and the good fight out there in um, Dana Point. We're going to have more about the RNC on this fight for the chairmanship later in the second hour. Make sure you go to MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM. You got the Giza sheets as low as twenty nine ninety nine. You got up to 80% off certain inventory items. The slippers are, what, 59 bucks now? But they're still a steal, $80 off. That's not going to last forever. You've got to buy one, get one free. Just go to our square, MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM, particularly on the sheets and the toppers. Sleep the sleep of the just on a MyPillow product. Go check it out today. Okay, one of the smartest um, individuals I know and, um, and someone who has tremendous wisdom, when we first started these international bureaus for Breitbart, Raheem Kassam ran London and Tom Williams ran Rome, and they both uh, kind of changed history. Tom Williams, uh, now still at Breitbart, but has written an incredible book, the Coming Persecution of Christians from one of the best publishers out there, Sophia Institute Press, who published serious books on serious topics. Tom, here's the first question. When you say the coming persecution, don't we already have – are, are you saying it's going to expand worse than it is because the church in um, – and, and this is both the underground Catholic church and particularly this evangelical movement throughout the world is heavy persecution now in the Middle East, in China – in uh, sub-Saharan Africa, I believe it's going to come to Brazil with the with the transnational Marxist uh, criminal Lula taking power there. Um, it, when you say coming persecution, are you saying it, we're not being persecuted today or it's going to get worse, sir? Oh, no, we're definitely being persecuted today, uh, Steve, as you know. You know very well. I think that's kind of a rhetorical question on your part. Uh, the persecution right now is the worst it's ever been in history. All the numbers... Every year it gets worse. Uh, as you mentioned earlier on in the show, some 340 million uh, Christians throughout the world are under severe Christian persecution, meaning that they fear for their lives on a day-to-day -day basis. That doesn't include 
all the persecution that goes on in the West. It doesn't include the harassment, the ostracization, the ridicule, and the other forms of, of abuse. Uh, but in terms of just violent persecutions, those who actually fear for their lives, we're talking about astronomical numbers. No, the reason that the book is called The Coming Christian Persecution is because as bad as things are now, every indicator points to a situation that is getting worse uh, by the, the year. And the reason for that is that the drivers of Christian persecution are not going away. In fact, they're, they are becoming stronger and more bold as the years go on, and the traditional defenses of Christians. And those in, primarily in the, in the West, in the post-Christian West, those who would stand up, those who would call it out, the media that would comment and that would, would uh, bring these things to light are willingly or sometimes just out of negligence completely falling down on the job. So you have no sort of defense, you have no sort of pushback on this massive persecution that's going on. So talk, let's go to the 340. Break that down for us. You're saying that it's it's the worst persecution in history. That that includes first century Rome, which we always think is the worst persecution of Christians ever. Uh, you're saying it's worse than first century Rome. Where is the, of the 340 million? Where does that break out as the big and, and the most um, the ones we should worry about the most? Well, in terms of absolute numbers, Asia and Africa uh, are definitely in in first and second place. Um, Africa boasts, if you will, uh, the country where it is hardest and most dangerous to be a Christian, which is Nigeria, uh, which is roughly 50% Christian, 50% Muslim. But the numbers of Christians who die on a weekly basis in Nigeria are really astronomical. It's, it's something that no longer even makes the news. The mainstream media don't even bother covering the fact that scores of Christians die on a monthly basis in Nigeria. Uh, in Asia, we hear less about it, generally speaking, because a lot of it happens behind closed doors where you're getting no media attention whatsoever. Take, for example, North Korea. In North Korea, we don't have uh, media coverage because there is no media allowed in North Korea. Uh, China, there's a there's a willingness on the part of the Catholic Church, uh, to take an a extreme example, to overlook the persecution that's going on of Christians, the way it's getting worse by the day, because the Vatican is so desperate to uh, have a thaw in diplomatic relations with, with Xi, uh, Xi Jinping, and they really, really want that to happen more than anything else. So they're willing to overlook the actual persecution that happens on a daily basis. And as we see that spilling over into Hong Kong as well, um, this is something that obviously in the Middle East and you and I, I credit you in a, in a big way with this book because you encouraged me when we would go back and forth in this 2014, 2015, 2016, when we had the, the uh, ISIS big uprising, when they moved into Mosul and, and the Nineveh plane and then went on and on and on, uh, that is something that's still very real. The fact that ISIS, we don't hear on a day-to-day -day basis what they're doing, that does not mean that radical Islam is in any way uh, sn uh, snuffed out. That's still very, very big. They're changing tactics and they're changing places. And we're seeing them much more right now in Africa, but in the Middle East. I mean, look what's happened to Christians. They've been decimated. The number of Christians in Iraq, the number of Christians in Syria are down to a, a tiny fraction of where they were uh, before 2011. So this is something that is that is very, very grave throughout the world. But Middle East, Africa, Asia, those are the hot points. Uh, real quick, the church in the first century was also a desert church. Have, have, when you say decimated, 
the the number percentage of Christians at the turn of the 20th century per, today is like it's been an astronomical drop, correct? A complete implosion of the church in the Middle East and in, in, in places like Syria. Yes, absolutely. And this is something it's it's particularly tragic because obviously this is this is the birthplace of Christianity. This is the the oldest Christian communities that can actually trace their birth back to just after the time of Christ. They are all here in in the Middle East, obviously. And this is something that is is very, very sad to see that there actually may be no Christian presence in these places if things continue the way they are now. And it's now even, despite the fact that there isn't, again, there aren't Christians dying daily in Iraq or in Syria, uh, it's still very, very hard to be a Christian there. And a lot of people are just deciding it's not worth it. They're, They're emigrating out of there and moving to the West. Let's talk about that next. 90-second break. Tom Williams will join us on the other side. We're also going to go to Arizona. Big developments in uh, Kerry Lake, the real governor of Arizona, all next in the war room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize That heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. 